Hi, Glassers. I'm Mallory O'Mara, co-host of Reading Glasses. Yeah, and it's Bria Grant over here, other co-host of Reading Glasses. And we want to tell you about uh, a podcast that we love from one of our good friends, Ben Blacker. It's the Dead Pilot Society. You might remember Ben from several episodes of Reading Glasses that he has come on. Uh, I believe they were both Halloween episodes. Uh, so if you are a spooky person and you enjoyed listening to Ben, uh, hi, Ben, say hello to the Glassers. Hi, good to see you both. And thank you for calling it the Dead Pilot Society. <laughs> Just like Bria's dad used to say, the Walmart. <laughs> That is a special joke for anyone who listened to the reading glasses feed drop over in Dead Pilot Society. (laughs) Um, Ben, you want to tell us about Dead Pilot Society? Absolutely, I do. Um, Dead Pilot Society is a live table read series that I do with my co-host and co-producer, Andrew Reich, who is a longtime television writer for shows like Friends and a bunch of other um, less impressive shows. Um, And so Andrew had written like, 10, 15 pilots over the years, uh, over his career, and they were not getting shot. And so he was like, these are, some of these are pretty good. And I would love for, to hear them, to hear great actors read them. So he started putting together these table reads with great actors reading television pilots that had been bought and developed, but never produced. So it's very often the writer's first time getting to hear their work aloud. Uh, It's a fun low-key time with terrific actors doing terrific scripts. There are no notes. Nobody gets fired. Everybody laughs. laughs. What's great about this is I think our listeners would really dig this, dig your show if they haven't heard it, because we have so many writers who listen to Reading Glasses, um, both people who write novels, who write nonfiction, but also people who write screenplays. So I think our Mm -hmm. listeners would really be into this if they haven't heard it yet. And it's our maximum fun. It's it's our maximum fun family, and we always love to support our maximum fun family. Absolutely, and I'm I'm a big process nerd, um, and so to that point, um, Bria, we do sort of a two part uh, podcast. The first part is the table read itself, and then the second is a long interview with the writer about what happened. Because, <laughs> like I said. <laughs> Usually these are really good scripts. Like we don't do, we don't do these to make fun of them. We don't do this like, oh my God, it's so bad. Can you believe it? They're good. We love them. We're celebrating good writing that for, you know, the misfortunes of the television business just did not get made. So the often like 30 to 45 minute interview with the writer about the process of making and developing this script uh, is fascinating. I think that is what the Reading Glasses audience will really dig also. And just like we love our fellow Maximum Fun podcast, we love our Maximum Fun subscribers. You folks really help us feed our cats every week. You mean the world to us. You help us make these wonderful shows. Uh, All all of us are are so grateful for you. uh, And we hope that you love this episode. What I brought for you today is an episode called Space Mound. Written by, by the time people hear this, Oscar loser Emerald Fennell. Uh, Emerald wrote um, Promising Young Woman, but she also wrote this really fun uh, pilot that did not get made called Spacebound. Uh, and we had this incredible cast, including Carrie Mulligan and Richard E. Grant, uh, Rain Wilson. Um, it's just, it's a bonkers cast and a really fun, silly um, pilot that I think, I think folks will dig. And then there's a great conversation with Emerald as well that uh, after you listen to the table read, you can go listen to that. Uh, secondary podcast. 
And Ben, do you want to tell us about some other uh, episodes that you love that think you think are worth checking out? I love all of them. It's hard to choose. They're all my babies, but um, like a couple parents, that I would. Favorite. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, and and like all parents, the oldest is my favorite. One of our first, <laughs> one of our first um, recordings was a pilot that John Hodgman wrote, fellow Max Funner, John Hodgman, uh, called Only Child. And in it, uh, he wrote it for FX like five, six years ago. And in it, the idea was John was playing himself at 12 years old, but John as an adult would play the 12-year-old Hodgman uh, and the rest of the characters would be kids. This was well before Pen15. Uh, so it was a novel idea at the time. Uh, but it's a really funny and like warm-hearted um, pilot that I think uh, people will enjoy. Another one that we did, we did an evening of Tom Hanks adaptations. Uh, one was Big by Mike Royce and Kevin Beagle. Uh, and it is a great pilot. I am legitimately disappointed that we don't get to watch this show. Um, they sort of took the essence of Big and translated it into something new and fun and interesting. Uh, and Jason Ritter, uh, Janet Varney are the stars of our read. Uh, it's a really fun, great episode that I think folks should check out. Uh, in addition to enjoying Spacebound right now. So folks, if you are a writer or you just enjoy great writing, which we know that you do because you listen to our show, you should definitely check out Dead Pilot Society. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I am Andrew Reich, the creator and co-host of Dead Pilot Society. So uh, you may have noticed on your phone or wherever you listen to us that we have a new logo. Uh, and that is not the only change. We are switching up our format a bit. Because, look, I realize that the running time of some of our episodes can be a little intimidating. You know, maybe you see that hour and 30 minutes and you're like, uh, you know, in that amount of time, I could I could listen to the first four Ramones albums. Um, I don't know what people do with their time. Anyway, what we're going to do, uh, what we're going to try going forward is we're splitting up our episodes into two parts. So there's the table read, which is what you're going to hear today. And then we'll follow that up a week later with my interview with the creator of the pilot. We're going to call that episode the after show because, you know, you'll always get an interview with the writer of the pilot. We might throw uh, some other bonuses in there, too. Maybe an interview with some other member of the pilot's development team, an executive producer, a showrunner, maybe the executive who bought the pitch, uh, something like that. So two episodes a month, uh, the table read and the interview. Is this a good idea? I don't know. Uh, you tell us. But we're going to try it out. What I do know is that our dead pilot this time is amazing. It's called Spacebound, and it was written by Emerald Fennell. Emerald 
was the showrunner of season two of Killing Eve. Uh, some of her actor acting credits include playing nurse Patsy Mount on Call the Midwife and Camilla Parker Bowles on The Crown. And she is also the writer and director of Promising Young Woman. Uh, it's been nominated for four Golden Globes, Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best Motion Picture Drama, as well as a Best Actress nomination for Carrie Mulligan. Uh, spoiler alert, Carrie Mulligan also plays the lead in the read you're about to hear. Uh, if you haven't seen Promising Young Woman yet, you really have to. I, I'm, I promise it will stay with you long after it's over. Uh, Emerald's just absolutely brilliant. So much fun to talk to. You'll get to hear my conversation with her next week. But for now, this table read. Holy crap, this table read. Look, I realize I always say that we have an incredible cast, and that's because we always do. You know, we don't cast people we don't like, so I always love our casts. But this one is really quite special. We've got two Oscar nominees. We've got an Emmy nominee. We've got all sorts of Golden Globe nominees. It's an absolute dream cast. Here's who we had. As G456, Carrie Mulligan. As Dan from Veep, Sam Richardson. As Phil from The New Girl and The Neighborhood, Max Greenfield. As the overlord, this was such a thrill for me, the incomparable Richard E. Grant. As the tall man, this was also a thrill from The Office, Rain Wilson. As the round man uh, from Veep and Dead Pilot Society regular, Craig Kaki Kakowski. As Venetia from Miracle Workers and Shrill, Lolly Adifope. As Karen from Glow, Ellen Wong. And then there were our incredible, versatile utility players. Marcus Bishop Wright as Detective Fairbanks, the pervy guy, the terrifying man, and the barista. Greg Santos as the obnoxious guy, the bongo drummer, and cop number two. And Shuley Cowan as the fancy dog owner, Andy McDowell, cop number one, and the anchor. This is such a funny pilot, uh, a superstar cast, and you don't get to hear this anywhere but right here. And hey, if you want to see the people reading it, see their faces in the Zoom boxes, and you might want to for this one, just become a Maximum Fun member for as little as $5 a month. You'll get access to the video, all of our bonus content from past years. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join. All right. Now, enjoy. This is Spacebound, the pilot by Emerald Fennell. We are in the long, crabby line of a coffee shop. The place has seen better days in spite of the fading sign on the wall, which reads, the best coffee in the universe. A barista is desperately trying to keep things upbeat when an obnoxious guy cuts in line. Yeah, you know, the joke's on you, Cheryl, because I don't even like the kids. You can have custody. Dry cap, extra hot. Uh, coming right up. Um, that's uh, 280. Oh, stop crying. Kevin always creeped me out. You know that. Ever since he was born, he's got that one weird eye. The line is getting restless. Uh, sir, that's uh, 280. Well, maybe if you lost some weight, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Suddenly, the door slams open. A mysterious light pours into the coffee shop. In the doorway stands a creepy tall man wearing a suit and tie. He's flanked by two people, a small round man in an identical suit and a pretty young woman wearing a revealing cowgirl costume. There might even be mist surrounding them. They walk in expressionless with perfectly synchronized steps. They are not wearing shoes. Hello. 
Don't be alarmed. We have just come here to innocently enjoy a nice brown coffee. Nice brown, brown coffee. coffee. They stride to the front of the queue, pushing past obnoxious guy. Hey, the hell do you think you're doing? One normal cup of coffee, please. Normal. Oh. Are you serious? Get out of my face. Hey, you. He leans in close to the young woman, jabbing his finger at her. Get out of my face. She blinks back at him for a second. Then she touches his shoulder, staring right into his eyes. Whoa. What? There's a weird humming noise. He suddenly looks terrified. No, no, stop it. Oh, God. Tell Cheryl. I the humming reaches a pitch and bam, obnoxious guy explodes all over the coffee shop. There's a moment of shocked silence, and then everyone starts screaming and running. The young woman stands blinking innocently as the round man and the tall man take in the carnage. Uh-oh. 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 Uh, G456, we need to go now. With synchronized steps, they rush out of the cafe into an alley around the corner. Sirens have already sounded in the distance. Round man is running in tiny circles. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What were you thinking, G456? What did the overlord tell us? Get me a nice, normal coffee. Yes. And what did he say not to do? No, no, no murderings. No murderings, exactly. And what did you just do? I did a murdering. Oh, no. Yeah. Will he be mad? Will the overlord be mad? He's not going to be thrilled, G456. No! You interns are getting worse every year, I swear. I'm so sorry, sir. I didn't mean to. There's no time to apologize. We need to get off Earth. Now. But we don't have the coffee for the Overlord. The tall man notices a discarded cup on the floor. He tastes it. Gags. Oh, dear mother of the Overlord. That's disgusting. Why would he want it? Never mind. It is not for me to question his perfect wisdom. Everything ready? The round man is desperately pressing the buttons of a futuristic device. What's going on? I, uh, there's only enough power for two of us. They both look at G456. It's an awkward pause. Oh, I see. Huh. Well, that's unlucky. The sirens are closing in. Real unlucky. Sir, this is my fault. I should stay. Really? No, I should. Really? That's so cool of you, G456. So cool. I mean, I've, I've never been to Earth before, and I'll probably die before the day is out. That's the spirit. Okay. Sir, we need to go now. Run, G456. We'll come back for you. G456 gives a noble salute and runs off. Her run is super weird. Good luck, G456. Once she's gone... We're not coming back, right? Oh, most certainly not. They press the button and disappear into a beam of light as we cut to our main titles. We're now in an anally clean apartment. Dan, uptight, hardworking, never taken a risk in his life, is standing self-consciously wearing a tux. His roommate and childhood best friend, Phil, who thinks he's God's gift, but isn't, takes it in. Could you turn around for me one more time? Phil! Come on, man. I just need to. No, just, please, just one more time. Just turn around for me, baby. Don't, 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 uh, don't be shy. Dan turns, embarrassed. Phil studies him. Dan waits expectantly, and finally. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's not working. Well, I already spent the money renting it. 
You told me to rent it. You said it looked like James Bond. Yeah, look, honestly, I'm as surprised as you are. I've never seen anyone look bad in a tux. And you're really giving off a strong funeral parlor vibe. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, you look like you're on your way to the prom. Well, that's okay. Well, no, let me finish. To murder all the classmates that wronged you. All of them. I mean, that feels harsh considering you are supposed to be building my confidence right now. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Let's, um... Try smiling, maybe. Dan smiles. It's creepy. No, that's worse. Dan throws up his hands. They hear keys in the hall. You know what? Let's get Benicia. We're going to ask her a question. I don't want you to humiliate me just so you can hit on our neighbor. Dan, I knew you'd understand. Benicia? The door opens. In comes Venetia, early 30s, a spoiled British daddy's girl, like someone from Downton Abbey has accidentally stumbled into the real world. Yes. She takes in Dan's tux. He looks at her hopefully. Oh, sweet. You look like you just graduated from butler school. Are you thinking of butling? Yeah, it'd be a great choice for you, Dan. You sort of have the, the bland face and the sort of uh, subservient gait of a butler. Yeah, I've always thought so. Thank you. Uh, no, it's, uh, I, I'm proposing tonight to Karen, my girlfriend. She's here literally all the time. You've met her probably every day. Oh, that was your girlfriend. I thought she was some kind of drab relative or a German exchange student or something. Uh, well, I mean, why would I? I mean, well, she's not even German, so. You sure? She wears a lot of brown. She does wear a lot of brown, Dan. Dan stares at them incredulously. This is not helpful. Later, G456 is walking down a busy street, trying and failing to fit in. She passes a dog tied up outside a store. It is wearing a jacket and a fancy dog hat. Oh, thank you, Lord. She stops and kneels by the dog. Sir, I need your advice. You seem to be a dapper gentleman. An industrialist, perhaps. Do you happen to have some kind of interstellar machine that I could borrow? The fancy dog's owner appears. Can I help you? Yes. Are you the man's wife? That's not a man. That's a dog. Why is he wearing a hat? <sighs> We're now in space. We see the vast twinkling galaxies swishing past planets. We're listening to a conference happening between the Overlord and G456 of this crew. There could be subtitles. Uh, sorry, can we just go back to the coffee for a moment? Yes, sir. I just, I just really wanted a coffee and I don't know why I don't have one. Sir, I was trying to explain. G456 exploded a human while we... G456. She's the intern. Oh, the hot intern. Oh, I like her. Where's she now? Well, that's the thing, sir. We had to leave her behind. Really? Well, that's a shame. Uh, how, How prepared for Earth is she? Has she done all the training? Well, she did the human beginners course. She didn't pass. I see. So she doesn't know the difference between a dog and a human at this point? Not at all. Uh, I mean, should we pick her up? Your call, sir. 
Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's quite far away, and uh, there is that party in the Tetron Galaxy. I mean, we could leave her there for a while. She'll be all right, won't she? Hmm? I'm sure she'll be fine, sir. There's a quick cut to the busy street where G456 is hobbling, barefoot, sobbing. The obnoxious guy's blood is still in her hair. We go back to space moments later. Yeah, I bet she's fitting right in. We're now in an Italian restaurant where Dan sits nervously across from Karen, 30s, a terrifying type A nuclear physicist who does not have time for your shit. She's wearing a severe all-brown ensemble. They order from the waiter. Uh, The spaghetti, please. Uh, And a glass of red wine. I'll have some plain bread, thinly buttered, thinly, and a glass of water. Uh, Are you sure you don't want something, you know, more special? You know how I feel about restaurants, Dan. Dan takes a deep breath and takes a ring box and a speech written on a laminated card out of his pocket. Okay. So, Karen, okay. Uh, hmm. I asked you here because I want to talk to you about something. He nods over at a band. They come to the table and start playing Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Oh, no. Dan. Karen, as Rose DeWitt Bookater once said to Jack, Dawson. Dan, please. I'll never let you go. I'll never let go. And Karen, from the first time I saw you, I... I want to break up. What? I'm sorry, Dan. I love you, but I can't. I can't. The band keep going, exchanging awkward glances. Dan is not processing this. Uh, You're overwhelmed. I think once you hear my speech... No, Uh, please, God, no. There are only so many Titanic quotes a woman can take, okay? Look, you're a good man. You're just too safe. Me? I'm safe? Are you kidding? You're wearing a rape alarm to dinner. We now see she is wearing a large rape alarm around her neck. Look, I'm sorry to do this. I am, but I just... Need someone a bit more exciting. Exciting? That came out wrong. I mean, sexy. You know, someone more exciting and sexier than you. That's not better. I'm sorry. This is about that guy from your work, isn't it? I don't know what you're talking about. The band are riveted. Don't think I didn't notice. Oh, I'm Professor Simpkins. I have a horse. Look at my bravery award. You only saved the dog, Simpkins. From a burning building. And don't, I don't exactly see you winning any medals for heroism. When was the last time you took a risk on anything? Look, I'm not going to stay here and argue with you about Professor Simpkins' bravery award or his magnificent horse or his Nobel Prize. Okay? Just try to be dignified about this. But I love you. No. No. You love having someone who will go outside with a baseball bat when you hear a noise in the middle of the night. She gets up. (sighs) Goodbye, Dan. She leaves. Dan looks like he's about to cry. 
The panpipe interlude of My Heart Will Go On begins. The piper is really going for it. The music continues as G456 walks forlornly past the restaurant. She's now very tired and homesick, her cowboy hat askew. Dan looks up and spots G456 through the window as she goes and sits on a bench across the street. As the music reaches a crescendo, G456 looks up and her eyes lock with Dan's through the glass. He smiles. She smiles back. But the moment and the song is broken. A bongo drummer starts drumming. G456 leaps up and runs over. She starts dancing. She's an aggressively terrible dancer. On Dan's face, good God. She dances with a look of pure bliss on her face. The crowd has started booing. The bongo drummer is getting annoyed. Hey, stop that. You're scaring away the customers. An onlooker, a pervy guy, looks at G456. Hey, take it off, sweetheart. What? Look, if you're going to dance, at least take your clothes off. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. She takes off her hat. Now the crowd is getting into it. Even the bongo drummer starts drumming enthusiastically. Yeah. Woo. Get him off. She takes off her jacket, delighted by the enthusiasm of the crowd. She's finally getting the hang of this human stuff. She starts to unbutton her shirt when Dan runs up. Whoa. Whoa there. Okay. All right. He he picks up her hat and jacket and stops her hands from unbuttoning. You don't need to. The crowd start booing him. Well, all right. Okay, show's over. He stares her away. He steers her away, and she tries to run back and take off her shirt. The crowd cheer. Nope. Nope. Yeah. She grabs her again. On the street, Dan steers her back to the bench and sits her down. Okay. I think maybe someone's just a a tad partied out. You need a strong coffee. And... Maybe some shoes. Aren't aren't your feet cold? Huh. Yes, they are. Humans are not at all well designed for their atmosphere or terrain. Uh, look, is there someone I can call for you? Did you, did you come from that desert party? Did you lose your friends? Oh, no. My supervisors will be coming to get me any minute now. We cut to infinite space where loud dance space music plays. I said, I like your tentacles. Have you ever been to Beta Complex 622? I'm kind of a big deal there. Back on the street moments later. Right. And do they have a number, your supervisors? Yeah. Oh, great. He gets out his phone. 489. Dan keys it in and waits. He looks at her. That's it. That's the whole number. He sighs and puts his phone back in his pocket. Uh, Look, it's getting late. Do you have somewhere you can stay for the night? Of course you don't. I'm fine, really. I can just stay here. She gestures to some nearby festering garbage. On this nice, soft. She begins to nestle down into the garbage. She starts to gag. Dan hauls her up. Okay, up we get. She looks up at him, her hair full of garbage. Oh, my lucky night. She smiles. She does not understand sarcasm. We're in a cafe later. Dan is sitting across from G456. A pretty waitress sets down a couple of coffees in front of them. G456 takes a sip. Wow. Delicious. She spanks the pretty waitress as she goes away. Keep them coming, sweet cheeks. Oh, my God. I, I, I am so sorry. The waitress storms off. What the hell are you doing? You can't spank a waitress. 
But it is one of your most traditional earth customs. No spanking. She rolls her eyes. What's your name? I don't have a name. Names are for the weak and the prisoners of the overlord. I do have a number, though. It's G456. Oh, man. Look, is there someone, anyone who can look after you? Thank you, sir. But I don't think I need any looking after. She casually slides the bowl of sugar towards her and starts eating it with a spoon. Soup is delicious. He watches her concerned. At the Italian restaurant later, Detective Fairbanks, a grizzled, jaded cop who's seen it all, is interviewing the bongo drummer. And then she walked off with this, I don't know, like a funeral director or a butler kind of guy. Oh, thank you. It's very helpful. Very helpful indeed. What? Did you say something? I said very helpful indeed. Oh, okay. Detective Fairbanks resumes his mysterious gazing into the middle distance. The bongo drummer follows his gaze, confused. In Dan's apartment later, Phil is watching QVC and ordering on the phone. They are selling old-fashioned China figurines of Victorian ladies. I'm going I'm to have six. No. Seven of the Lady Lucy figurines. Excuse me, Barbara. I will tell you when I've had enough. He hears keys in the door and quickly wraps it up. Just send them to the usual address, Barb. And yes, of course, I want the free tea cozy. What do you think? I want lukewarm tea? He hangs up. <sighs> Maniac. Dan enters and Phil springs up to welcome him. Hey, congratulations. What? Oh, uh, Karen said no. She dumped me. Uh, I know. I saw on Facebook. Congratulations. She was the worst. What? I thought you... Oh, okay. I, I don't have time to process that right now. I found someone. What? Already? Nice! Uh, no, I mean, on the street. Nice! G456 steps in. Phil takes her in. Uh, uh, oh! Oh my! G456 looks around the apartment, awed. Wow! Are these your living quarters? This is our apartment, yes. It is majestic. Are you some kind of king? Oh, your highness, I didn't realize. She starts bowing. I'm not a king. Please stop that. Uh, would you give us a second, please? And he pulls Dan into the kitchen area. Uh, hey, uh, Dan, you're my best friend. Well, oldest friend. Oldest and best friend, yes, and I respect you wanted to jump right back in the saddle. I, I really do. But um, uh, that saddle out there um, is insane. Well, Phil. Okay, okay look, I, I get, is, is she pretty? Yes, sure. And is the cowgirl thing kind of hot? Of course it is. There's a reason the best sex position is named after it. Missionary? Uh, Dan, please, now is not the time to tackle your grotesque lack of bedroom experience. What I'm saying is, is that... That Burning Man catastrophe out there is not wearing shoes, and I'm pretty sure that there is blood and garbage in her hair. Phil, I was not going to sleep with her. She is dangerously high. I couldn't just leave her in the street. Oh, 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 oh yeah. No, uh, she's been snatched for sure. So I just need someone to look after her while I go down to the police station to see if there's been a missing person report. Me? Uh, you're not leaving me alone with the sheriff of Crazy Town. You, you, you know that I'm not good in crisis, Dan. 
ever since I got pushed down that well, it just... We cut to later. Venetia is standing in the doorway. So where's this cousin of yours, Dan? G456 emerges from the kitchen. Good grief. Where have you been? The sex rodeo. How was it? Was Keith there? Did he ask after me? Okay. This will be fine. You'll be okay, right? I won't do any more murderings, I promise. Phil looks terrified. Oh, that's nice. Later, Dan waits in the lobby of the police station. A terrifying man blows a kiss at him. Want a party? Uh, no, thank you, sir. Dan looks nervously at the desk. Two cops walk in, talking. Exploded? What do you mean exploded? It was all over the ceiling of the coffee shop. Not a nice guy, apparently. Warrant was out for his arrest for some pretty dark stuff. So it was a contract kill. Get this. They say it was a barefoot cowgirl. We're on Dan as he digests this. We cut to Dan's apartment. Phil, Venetia, and G456 are all watching TV. So, G, are you and Dan closely related? Or She looks confused. No, no, no. They're, <clears throat> they're like super distant cousins. Pra- practically strangers. Statistically, we're cousins 88 times removed, like all of the incestuous human race. I lost my virginity to my cousin Alfred. Very cruel boy, but an exquisite lover. Daddy forbade us from ever speaking again. What a beautiful story. Thank you. Look, it looks like you. There's a news bulletin on the TV with a terrible facial composite of G456. Police describe the woman as armed and very dangerous and wearing a slutty cowgirl costume. If you see her, do not approach her. Venetia and Phil turned to G456, freaked out. We cut to later. Dan bursts into his apartment, and G456 is standing over the unconscious bodies of Phil and Venetia. Oh my God! You've killed them! No! They're just asleep. Phil is snoring. G456 steps towards Dan. You keep away from me. Look, I can tell you're upset. This is all a misunderstanding. So you didn't explode that guy all over the ceiling of a coffee shop? Oh no, I, I did do that. Help! Help! But I didn't mean to. I didn't know. It was an accident. I would never, ever do that again. I promise. Help me, someone! G456 puts out her hand to silence him. He is shouting, but no words come out. I'm sorry. I didn't want to use my powers against you. Please, please calm down. Let me explain. It's later, and Dan stares at G456 open mouthed as she wraps up her explanation. He seemed angry, and so I was trying to calm him down. I didn't know the frequency would make him explode. I feel terrible. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, which is on beta complex. It's like so almost impossible. Like everything is meat there. The trees are meat. Dan massages his temples. Explain the costume again. That's the part you don't understand. This is a traditional human woman costume. On Earth, the men wear suits and the women wear this or a small T-shirt with an owl on it or a suit that's like like a man's suit, but except without pants. Okay, if that is what the universe thinks of us, then that sucks. You don't believe me, do you? Of course I don't. You are out of your mind. And as far as murder alibis go, I think you're going to have to come up with something a little less whimsical. I'm not lying. Sure. You're an alien intern who got left behind on an intergalactic coffee run after accidentally killing a stranger. You do understand. You're insane. 
I'm calling the cops. Nope. Look, I didn't want to do this, but you asked for it. I'm taking down the image manipulator to show you what I really look like. Yeah. Be my guest. You ready? On Dan's face smirking. Then a burst of light and a roaring sound. Suddenly his smile turns to horror. We never see her face, just his terrified reaction. G456 resumes her human appearance. So, what do you think? We are in the living room later. Dan is hyperventilating. What? I don't, uh, I don't know how, how the... You're, you're, you're a... Yeah, just let it sink in. How'd you even get here? How's that scientifically possible? I'd explain it to you, but you wouldn't understand. Try me. Cool, cool. Yeah, I thought so. So are there more of you on Earth? No. <laughs> no offense, but Earth is kind of... <laughs> how would I describe what the universe thinks of Earth? Like, uh, I know, like a giant toilet. What? Would you travel to a giant toilet for your vacation? Well, no, but... Exactly. So it's just me here. But they're coming to get me any minute now, probably. She looks out at the dark night sky, hopefully. Dan's phone rings and he glances at the screen. It's Karen. Her picture flashes up. It's a photo of her in a brown swimsuit with a rape alarm, scowling at a dolphin on vacation. G456 looks at the picture. Who's she? Dan declines the call. Uh, that, uh, that, well, that was my girlfriend. Aww. She broke up with me tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. She has a, at home in Beta Complex, we have this expression, a face that torments a thousand children. Huh? Why don't you just ask the overlord to put you back together? But we don't have an overlord. <laughs> no overlord? Then who, who pours out all the birthing vats? You know, I genuinely do not know how to answer that question. Phil stirs. Stop that, Carol. Dan looks over at Phil and Venetia's passed out bodies. Will they be all right? Oh, yeah. Totally fine. They won't remember me. Or yesterday, really. But that's probably for the best. I guess. G456 yawns. She seems freaked out by it. Oh, what was that? Dan sighs. Oh boy, he's going to have to look after this alien. That night, G456 is fast asleep in Dan's bed. He looks at her and she does look very adorable. He turns out the light. His room is full of glow-in-the-dark stars and planets. G456 sleeps beneath them. On the street later, Detective Fairbanks is looking at his own star. It's the plastic sheriff's badge from G456's costume. It reads, Naughty Girl. He looks at it broodingly. The morning, we're in Dan's apartment in the kitchen. He's making coffee, whistling. Venetia is face down on the couch. She wakes up abruptly. Oh, no, not again. She sees Dan. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I thought I was at my boss's apartment. Yeah, thank God. His wife is really not fond of me. Why am I here, though? Oh, um, you, don't, you don't remember? You came over to watch TV with Phil. I think you guys drank quite a bit, so you crashed on the couch. Hmm. I don't remember any of that. Must have been pretty wasted. 
Dan looks a little guilty. Phil bursts in whistling. He kisses Dan on the forehead. Dan, my man, I have never had a better night's sleep in my life. All the usual shame terrors, just gone. No weird dreams about my mom, no screaming, nothing. Huh. Oh, hey, Venetia. So you passed out on the old couch, huh? I guess so. Suddenly, G456 emerges, completely naked. Good morning. Dan covers his eyes. Phil stares. Venetia is totally unfazed. I gotta tell you, I... I like the vibe. Okay, everybody. Time for work. Uh, G456, clothes. For God's sakes, clothes. Bye, Venetia. Thanks for stopping around. No, no, no. Uh, uh, But Dan, uh, who who is that? Dan opens the door to usher them out, and oh, shit, it's Karen. Hi. Well, uh, good luck, my man. He bolts. Venetia looks excitedly between Dan and Karen. Well, can I stay and watch? And we cut to the apartment moments later. Dan slams, Dan slams the door after Karen strides in. He nervously looks around. There's no sign of G456. Karen's here! Oh, great to see you. What, what can I do for you? Are you okay? You seem kind of weird. Ah, no, just, just pleased you're here, honey. Because I love you. Please don't be sentimental. Uh, no, I, I was just excited to see you. Yeah, excitement is for little boys at Christmas, Dan. Okay, not not grown men. I know. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Look, Professor Simpkins and I uh, spoke last night. He feels that he is currently too busy at the lab and with his horse Gerald to embark on a relationship. Oh, I I see. So, I would like to accept your offer of marriage. But you said... I know what I said. I, I, I made a mistake, Dan. I'm really sorry. There's a moment between them, and then... Is it okay if I borrow this, Dan? G456 appears wearing only Dan's shirt. Dan braces himself for the incoming shitstorm. What the hell? Uh, Karen, it... it, it... Who's this bedraggled whore? I like your hair. It's like a scary helmet. Now, now I know how this looks. Incriminating. Oh, no, no. This semi-naked woman in your bedroom doesn't look at all incriminating. She gets it. Please don't say anything. We didn't have intercourse, if that's what you're thinking. Or did we? I'm not really sure what it is. Maybe we did. We did not. Karen... Don't listen to her. I can't believe I actually felt guilty coming here today. God, Dan, I thought you were the safe option. Get what an idiot. And you, no pants. You've done me a favor. I was actually going to swallow my pride and marry this boring asshole. You're welcome. Aaron turns to Dan. Don't ever, ever call me again. You are no Jack Dawson. You Dan gasps. Karen storms out, slamming the door. I can see why you like her. She's peppy. There's a furious silence. G456 doesn't notice. Well, I'd better go. If you could direct me to your nearest barfing sculpture. What? You know, one of the sculptures that barfs all day or, or pees. The overlord loves them. So I figured last night that my supervisors will probably be waiting. What are you even talking about? What is happening? Have I lost it? Is this a nightmare? Nope. There isn't a snake biting my penis, so I'm awake. Look, just go, please. 
But uh, you've done more than enough damage already. But what with giving my friends amnesia and ruining my relationship? Oh, and murdering that guy, which really I'm not all that cool with. I think it would be best for everyone that you just find your superiors and leave me alone to get back to my safe, boring life. I understand. But you looked after me when I was alone. So whatever you say, I'll never think you're safe or boring. There's a moment while this lands and we go to space at night. Glorious, beautiful, awe-inspiring space. The Overlord is very hungover and touchy. Oh, hey. Um, uh, uh, it's G989, sir. Oh, right, right. Of course. Yeah, we, we hung out last night. We didn't uh, do anything. Huh? What? Oh, no, sir. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew that. I was only kidding. <laughs> hmm. Sir, I wanted to talk to you about G456. Who? G456, currently on Earth, a danger to herself and others. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to help, um, whatever your name is, but I, I just, I had a ton of vats to pour out today, so you, you understand. No, no, of course, I, uh... You, 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 you can deal with this, right? Oh, big time. I won't let you down. We cut to an office cubicle where Dan stares at his computer screen. He can't concentrate. He looks around. Everything reminds him of G456. The truth is out there poster tacked into the next door cubicle, the area 53 and area 54 signs above the conference rooms, the colleague wearing an alien mask for no apparent reason. That's, that's a bit much. It's evening and Dan switches off his desk lamp. He looks out at the sunset outside thinking he leaves on his computer. There's a picture of a fountain, a merman spewing water from his mouth. And we cut to this barfing sculpture. It's evening getting dark and G456 is still waiting, sitting on the edge of the fountain from the photo, staring up at the sky. No luck. We reveal Dan is standing next to her. Dan, what are you doing here? Well, uh, I figured I'd been kind of an ass. It's not really your fault Karen hates me. No. Although it is your fault that guy is dead. Yes. They both look up at the sky. I'm sure they're coming. I'm sure, I'm sure they are. They wouldn't leave me here. They wouldn't. But she's suddenly not so sure. Dan sits down beside her. My powers are gone. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe it means they can't pick me up right away and they want to make sure I don't hurt anyone. That does seem like a smart idea under the circumstances. I know, but... What? Maybe it means something else. Okay. Maybe it means they're never coming back. She's crying now and Dan puts his arm around her. Oh, I'm sure they are. They're probably just delayed a couple of days. You know, they wouldn't just leave you here. How could they leave someone like you behind? He looks up at the sky and we whip up into space. So the overlord left you in charge of G456? That is huge. Wow. Hey, I don't want to brag, but I feel like we had a really intense connection at the party last night. I mean, I know he's the overlord and all, but he needs friends just like everyone else. 
Sounds like someone has a crush on the Overlord. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, God. So, so what, what, what are you going to do about her? I don't know. Earth is pretty far away. And horrible. And horrible, of course. I mean, she looks like she's doing all right to me. We tumble back down through the stars and clouds to the fountain where G456 is crying into Dan's shoulder. Come on, let's go home. They're not coming tonight. Really? I can stay with you? Yeah. I was only going to cry and watch TV anyway. You can do that with me. That sounds wonderful. They get up and start towards home, walking past a man leaning against a lamppost wearing a large, ostentatious spying hat. He looks up to watch them go. It's Detective Fairbanks. End of show. Okay, hope you enjoyed that. Definitely tune in next week for my great conversation with Emerald Fennell. You get to hear all of her ideas for where this show would have gone in series. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Findling. Hey, if you like this show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Maybe tell a friend about us. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Find out all the latest. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod, on Instagram at Dead Pilot Society. We're on that other one too. Uh, All right, everybody stay safe out there. Find a way to help someone. Be nice to yourself. Keep wearing those masks. Uh, We're getting closer. We'll get through this. Until next time, I am Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.